Likutei Sicha is Chelek Chafalev, Volume 21, the first Sicha for Parshas Vayakel. This Sicha is actually a siyum on Hilchas Beis Abchira, the laws in the Rambam pertaining to the building of the Beis Hamikdash, and we'll focus on the final chapter, that's chapter number 8 of Hilchas Beis Abchira, where the Rambam discusses the Shmira Samikdash, the mitzvah of the honor guard of the Beis Hamikdash, and in the Sicha, the Rebbe will explain how this particular uh, observance was actually a function of the building of the Beis Hamikdash, which is the kavod, the honor that has to be allotted to the Beis Hamikdash. As an introduction, to help ourselves better flow through the Sicha, familiarize ourselves with some concepts. First of all, the Rambam, in writing his Chibur, in making this um, enormous work of the Mishneh Torah, of all the laws of the Torah, he was very precise in how he divided even the paragraphs, the halachis in the Rambam. That means the chapters and the paragraphs also have meaning how he decided to subdivide the various halachas, as we'll see later in the Sicha. Another concept, Ein Shavus B'Mikdosh. There's a rule that in the Beis HaMikdosh, there is no concern of Shavus. What is Shavus? Shavus means all those things that are rabbinically prohibited to, uh, to be done on Shabbos. Okay, things that are only of rabbinic origin, they're called Shavus, and they are overridden in the Beis HaMikdosh when there is a need in order to perform the Avodah, the service in the Beis HaMikdosh, or the support of the Avodah. Another thing to familiarize ourselves with, the idea of a heter. A heter means when there is an allowance in halacha, or we call it perhaps a rider. That means in certain instances, although the halacha says that such and such is forbidden, however, in a circumstance of need, when there's a certain need uh, or, or, or a, a strenuous uh, situation, then there is a heter. But it's understood that the heter in itself inherently means that this is not the ideal. Rather, there's like an allowance. It's a rider to the law. One more thing. In Torah, everything is seamless. As it says, that the end and the beginning is always connected. There's an inherent connection because the Torah is one thing and it is seamless. So in the end of Hilchas Beis Abchira, in chapter 8, in Halacha, that's paragraph 11, the Ramam describes after going through all the rules of how they performed this mitzvah of Shmira Samikdash, how the Kainim guarded the Beis Samikdash. So the Rambam details how towards daybreak, they would have two groups of Kainim, two groups of priests who would go into the Azara, to the main chamber of the Beis Samikdash, holding two torches of fire in order to be able to see. It was dark in there, it wasn't yet light. And they would split up and go to opposite sides, and go all around, and then finally, they would come back and meet up. And they went to to check out, so to speak, to scout the Beis Amikdash, to investigate and make sure that everything was okay. Then when they met up, after determining that everything was in place, everything was fine, they would say, Shalom Hakol Shalom, peace, meaning Everything is in peace, everything is in order, all is good, all is peaceful, 
and that would give the signal to start the Avodah, the service of the day. Then, in the next halacha, which is uh, paragraph 12, halacha 12, which is actually the final halacha of chapter 8, and completes the Hilchas Beis Abkhira, all the laws of the building of Beis HaMikdash, he says, quote, in this exact order, they would do this every night of the week. However, with the exception of Shabbos. On Shabbos, when they went in in the morning, they wouldn't be holding two torches of fire. Rather, they would rely on candles which were lit from Erev Shabbos on Friday prior to the beginning of Shabbos, and they would use that for lighting up their way. Now, of course, the famous question of all the commentaries, there is a rule in the Beis HaMikdash of Ein Shavuz Mikdash that there shouldn't have been an issue with carrying those torches because in the first place, carrying those torches is only a rabbinic prohibition. Lighting torches, perhaps, is an actual melacha. But carrying them, meaning moving them, transporting them, is only a rabbinic prohibition. So how come that wasn't allowed? How come they couldn't go about holding those torches, using them? Now, the Kesef Mishnah, who is one of the primary commentaries on the Rambam, explains that since this was possible to be avoided, meaning there was a solution as the one that is presented in the Rambam, namely to light the candles prior to Shabbos, therefore there was no room for this heter, for this writer, and therefore it wasn't allowed. However, the Rebbe says this answer is not so sufficient. It's insufficient, actually. Why? Because we find elsewhere that there are circumstances in which you can also make this argument that one does not need rely on a heter, and yet it was fully permissible. Two examples. On Yom Kippur, on the night of Yom Kippur, the Mishnah, and likewise the Rambam, describes how the Kayin Gadol, the high priest, had to be kept up all night. And then later how, to, how he had to immerse in the mikvah several times, five times throughout the day. And it could have been quite cold. So the Rambam says that if he was a zakain or a choyla, if he was a little elderly or perhaps sickly, then they would have to warm up the water. How would they do that? They had these big, uh, these big uh, tongues of iron, which they would heat up from the night before. That means they were there on a burning fire. And they would drop them into the water, and that would serve as a heating mechanism in order to warm up the water. Now, this is clearly something which is a shvus, at least a shvus. This is something which is certainly not permitted typically. But in this case, although you can make the argument that perhaps there could have been other methods applied in order to keep that water warm throughout the night. Why didn't they do it before Yom Kippur began? Why would they do it on Yom Kippur in the immediate need of warming up the water? Another example, it says that if the Kohen Gadol, the high priest as he was sitting at night and he became overwhelmingly tired and would start to snooze off, then the Levim, the Levites who were present, they would snap their fingers when a tune in order to keep him awake. Now, snapping the fingers is also something which is not permitted. It's something which is rabbinically prohibited. prohibited. And yet, here we see that they didn't resort to other methods. Maybe they could have done other things by maybe moving things around, making other noises. But no, they did this in a pleasant manner in order to keep him awake. So you see that you do resort to a shavuz, 
a, a heter, an allowance, a rider of a shvus in the base of Mikdash in order to uh, facilitate the necessary avoida, the necessary service and protocol in the base of Mikdash. So back to the question, how come over here we didn't rely on that and they would light candles before Shabbos? Another two questions which come up here is, it would seem that these two last halachas, this, this, this um, narrative about how they would scout the base of Mikdash, how they would uh, check out the, the, uh, the Azara prior to the Avoida, in order to begin the Avoida of the day, the, the service of the day, really its place shouldn't, it seems that its place should not be here in the laws of the building of the Beis HaMikdash. Rather, perhaps it seems that it would be more appropriate if they were listed in Hilchas Tmidim Mesafim, where the Rambam lists the actual order of the day, the actual order of all the service in the Beis HaMikdash. And another thing, if anything, even if this is its place, how come the Rambam writes this idea about how Shabbos was different? How come he spells this out in a separate paragraph in itself, in a separate halacha on itself? Meaning, it seems to be just a continuum of what he was saying. That this is what was done every day, with the exception of Shabbos. It should have just been the end of halacha yud aleph. How come he states it in a separate halacha? And if you recall... In the introduction, we said that it's very precise how the Rambam chose to break down the halachas. So the Rebbe says the explanation is as follows. The Rambam writes in the beginning of this chapter, where he introduces this idea, this concept of the protection of the Beis HaMikdash, the guard of the Beis HaMikdash. He explains that its purpose wasn't because of fear, quote-unquote, fear of enemies. In other words, this wasn't an actual security measure. Rather, this was an honorary thing. Because as he says, quote, you can't compare a palace which has guards to one that doesn't have guards. Meaning, from this we understand, that each and every detail in these laws is one that contributes more to the, quote, honor of the Besamikdash. As this whole idea, this whole concept in the first place is not a measure of protection, it's not a means of necessity, but rather it's there to show honor, to express kavod, to the base of Mikdash. So according to this, says the Rebbe, we can explain that this <clears throat> inspection of the base of Mikdash, of the Azara in the morning was part of this. It was done as a means of honoring the base of Mikdash and not a means of making sure that everything is ready to go for the Avoida. And as explained elsewhere, that what is the idea, what is the real, the, the uh, inherent idea at a deeper level of this protection of the Beis HaMikdash, of this honor guard? It's really to show, it's to express that there is no hesachadas, there's no taking off of the mind, meaning that this is something that's constantly on our minds, this is something that's important to us, and therefore it's a constant endeavor we're always there, even in a time when there is no avoida, we still have, so to speak, boots on the ground. We have a presence there to show that this is something that's constantly alive and, and, um, and actively there in our lives. According to this, we can also appreciate that when they finally met each other, the two groups that went out to canvas, the Azara, when they finally met up, 
They didn't say, oh, everything is ready to go or everything is fit for Avoida. That's not what they said. They said, Shalom, Hakel Shalom. In other words, they expressed how everything here is peaceful. Everything is on the utmost highest level. Again, expressing how this is all about covered <clears throat> for the Beis HaMikdash. And of course, if covered for the Beis HaMikdash, inherently means covered for the one who, quote, resides there for Hashem himself. And of co- according to this, we can better appreciate and answer why we, there was no allowance of the Shvus in the Beis HaMikdash. How come they didn't resort to holding the torches, rather they relied on the candles? And we'll introduce a concept, an idea, that's discussed, discussed in regards to the miracle of Hanukkah. You see, but the miracle of Hanukkah was that they could not initially find oil, which was untampered with. That means pure oil, holy oil. And what happened? They looked and they looked, and finally Hashem made a miracle that they found that one jug of oil. In other words, the finding of the one jug of oil in itself was a miracle. Now really, the question is, knowing the rules, there's a rule, I mean, I mean I'm sorry, considering the rule that Tuma, Hutra B'tzibur, the rule is that if it's a matter of impurity, but it pertains to the Tzibur, if it pertains to the general collective of all the Jews, then it gets voided. In other words, it doesn't stop the service from going on. And in this, if this is the case, why was there a need for a miracle? Since this was a matter pertaining to all Jews, the lighting of the menorah is representative of the obligation of each and every single Jew. It's done through the Koyanim. Then there was no need for this miracle. They were perfectly allowed according to law, according to the law of the Torah. They were allowed to use non-pure oil to use oil that was tummy. So how come Hashem made a miracle? The answer is, because as the Mepharshim explained, as the commentaries explain, that when we say that Tuma Hutra B'Tzibur, that when we say that there is an allowance even for impurity when it comes to the collective, to the Tzibur, that's only as far as pertaining to the Avoida, to the actual service. But as far as Hashem is concerned, so to speak, as far as Chibosan Shal Yisrael, as far as Hashem, Him expressing His affection to the Yidin, He didn't allow it to be done with second best. Here Hashem did, so to speak, He went over the top and expresses affection to the Yidin to make it not with something that's second best, but to do it in a manner that is the most ideal, namely, that it's not Tomei, it is Toher. In short, when you say Tuma Hutra B'Tzibur, when you say that Tuma is, so to speak, pushed aside when it comes to the Tzibur, that's only as far as the Avoida of the Yisrael, Avoida of the Yidin is concerned. But as far as the Chiba of the Yidin that comes from Hashem, there only the very best does. Likewise over here. You see, if the um, canvassing of the Koyanim, if their inspection in the morning was a matter that pertains to the actual Avoida, as we said, if it would have been as an introduction, as a prelude to the service of the day, then it would be fine. Then, it, then the rule of Ein Shvus Mikdash would play a role because this is part of the Avodah. But since this is inherently, as we said before, as we established, this is inherently part and parcel of the covet of the Beis HaMikdash, the honor of the Beis HaMikdash, then they couldn't rely on any writer, on any heter, 
on any you know special allowance, and they had to go with the very best. They had to do it in the utmost ideal manner. And now we'll also appreciate why this appears here in Hilchas Beis Abchira. If you remember, we asked why is it why is these these laws these last two laws why do they appear here not where the Rambam describes the order of the day and why the Rambam put it in a separate paragraph in a separate halacha in itself. You see this. Since this is, expresses the great honor of the Isan Mikdash, meaning that not only that they checked the Besan Mikdash, they canvassed it every day for the honor of the Besan Mikdash, but rather they did it in the most ideal manner. That when it came Shabbos, they didn't do it with relying on a heter, but they did it in the utmost ideal manner of lighting the candles before Shabbos, in the most honorable manner possible. And this explains why the Rambam put it in as a separate halacha and as the final touch of all the laws of the building based on Mikdash. You see, in the beginning of our parsha, we learn something very interesting. It says that Moshe Rabbeinu, Parsha's Vayakel, Moshe Rabbeinu instructed him how to build a base on Mikdash. But he also threw in the law of keeping Shabbos. How did the two come together? Or why did the two come together? So the sages tell us that this is in order to, to teach us that although the building of Samitash is such a vital and necessary idea in Judaism, in Yiddishkeit, but still one is not allowed to desecrate the Shabbos in order to build the Beis Samitash. However, on the other hand, we do find that in the Beis Samitash itself, they did do many Melachis of Shabbos in the Beis Hamikdash. They slaughtered animals. They brought them up to burn on the altar, on the Mizbeach. How come that was allowed? In other words, what is the distinction? What is the difference? The answer is, how do we explain it? The answer is that you have to look at it this way. Once there is a Beis Hamikdash and the Avoidah, the service, is being performed in the Beis Hamikdash, then you have the holiness of the Beis Hamikdash Anything that's done in there as part of the service is inherently a holy act, is inherently a Dover Kodesh. Kodesh. It is Kodesh, because the place is Kodesh, the place is holy. And therefore it's not Chil, Chil means mundane. There's no uh, defiling of Kedusha, this is Kedusha. However, when it comes to making the Beis HaMikdash, in establishing its holiness, in other words to actually make the structure which will be a structure of holiness, there there is no room for any whatsoever desecration of holiness. There there's no room for any chilu Shabbos whatsoever. And therefore, <coughs> it was not allowed. The covet of the Beis HaMikdash, going back to our subject, the honor of the Beis HaMikdash, that is <coughs> part and parcel of the building of the Beis HaMikdash. And therefore there was no room for any whatsoever heter, or any whatsoever even slight Chil Shabbos. And this also helps us to explain why these laws of protecting the Beis HaMikdash, of the honor guard, appear over here at the end of Hilchas Beis Abchira, of the laws of building Beis HaMikdash. Because the obligation, the mitzvah, is not, quote, to build a Beis HaMikdash, but rather, as established by the Ragachava Goyen, is that we have to see to it, we have to do our part, 
that there is a base on Mikdash, that there should be a base on Mikdash. In other words, the building in itself inherently is not a mitzvah. The mitzvah is the end result, that there should be a base on Mikdash. Now, since the guarding of the base on Mikdash, the honor of the base on Mikdash, is part of this idea that they should, quote, be a base on Mikdash, be a, a, a house, a building of honor for Hashem, Therefore, it's part and parcel, and therefore it appears here. And of this, according to this, we can appreciate, again, that the Koyanim, their canvassing, their investigation of the base of Mikdash in the morning was not a prelude to the Avoida, it was not a preparation to the Avoida, to the service, but rather it was part of the honor of the base of Mikdash, which is part of the idea of building the base of Mikdash, the purpose, the objecting, Objective of building Beis Hamikdash, and now we can also appreciate and connect the beginning and the end of Hilchas Beis Abchira. What does the Rambam write right in the beginning of, of, of Hilchas Beis Abchira? That the mitzvah is laso is bias la Hashem to make a house for Hashem. It doesn't say to build a house for Hashem. Remember what we said before: the mitzvah is not to build. The mitzvah is that it should be a made house for Hashem, a made house in honor of Hashem. What does he write at the end? The very end. He emphasizes the utmost covet, the honor. And this is the finishing touch on the quote, Lasseis, to make a house for Hashem. That it should be a place that is the most respectable and honorable place for Hashem. That is the, the point and the objective of all of these laws of quote, the building of the Beis HaMikdash. Or I should say the making of the Beis HaMikdash. Now the Rebbe takes it a little more esoterically, applying it to our Avoida. In other words, how does this, this concept that we just discussed, this idea, this halach of the Rambam, how do we apply it and encourage our Avoida? So the Rebbe says, as discussed several times, that notwithstanding the fact that in the building of the first and the second base on Mikdash, certainly we Jews accomplished and fulfilled the mitzvah of where Hashem instructs us that we should make the base of Mikdash, but still it wasn't in the utmost entire completeness, meaning it wasn't on the highest level. When will the base of Mikdash, when will the fulfillment of this mitzvah be in its utmost level, in its utmost entirety? That will be with the third base of Mikdash, when Hashem himself, Mikdash Hashem, the one that will be established and set forever. And this is the reason why, perhaps esoterically, the very last halacha, the finishing touch on the laws of building base of Mikdash is about Shabbos. You see, because when Mashiach comes, it's referred to, that error is referred to, Yom Shekula Shabbos this will be all like one long day of Shabbos, a day of rest and peace forever and forever. And here perhaps is the, is the message. One can think, if this is the case, then our Avodah now is worthless. Our Avodah now is like darkness. First of all, we don't even have the first and second base on Mikdash. But moreover, we haven't reached yet the third base on Mikdash. So is there any value to what we're doing now? And here comes the remez, here comes the hint in this law of the Rambam, the candles that illuminated their path as part of the honor, which is the finishing touch of the quote, building of the Beis HaMikdash, the, 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 what illuminated their path, what gave them their light, that was the candles that were lit before Shabbos. Now, what are candles? 
Candles is also a spiritual euphemism for mitzvahs. This is the message. When Mashiach comes, in a sense, there will be no value anymore to the mitzvahs because there will be no challenge. There will be no darkness. In other words, these candles that will be lit, meaning the mitzvahs that will be performed when Mashiach comes, will not have their value, certainly not the contrast that they have now. And here is the message. That what will be the light that will benefit from when Mashiach comes in that, quote, day of Shabbos, in that utmost place on Mikdash that will be there made and ready for the honor of Hashem, that is, I mean, that will be, that will be a result of our, quote, candles that we have now, that we're illuminating the world with now, those, our mitzvahs that we so challengingly do right now, we do our best to push through the darkness and make the candles, that is where we're going to have the source of light that's going to illuminate when Mashiach comes. And this should serve as an encouragement for us to increase in our voida, which will certainly bring through the fulfillment of this idea of the ultimate building of the Beis HaMikdash, the third Beis HaMikdash.